Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast for the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay. I'm delighted to say I'm joined by my very own two special ones today, uh, Dominic Booth. It's nice to have you back. Nice to be on. And Samuel, your long return to the podcast is nearly as eagerly anticipated as Joe says himself. Sure it is. Thank you for having me back on. We, we are talking about general football matters rather than the game last night that we were both at as well. Yeah, we got the uh, pleasure of going to watch Wrexham versus Rochdale in the FA Cup. First qual- first round replay. It was as grim as it sounds. Yeah, it was as bad as it sounded. And just as the game kicked off, we both got notifications on our phone. Richard Pochettino has been sacked. And now this morning we recorded... much this. better being at that game than in the office late as I was writing a load of Pochettino yeah. stories. So I think you got the, the lucky end of the well, draw. I had, the, uh, I had to wait up between... I was watching Wales at home on TV. I got to watch Wrexham. I chose Club Over Country. Regretted it straight away. On a historic night for your yeah. nation as well. Should have done what Gareth Bale does and just always pick your country first. Yeah, indeed. Who cares what the club think? But uh, we're recording this on the Wednesday morning and there is only one place to start today. And it is Jose's return to the Premier League. It might not be maybe directly United matter, but something that all United fans will have a strong opinion on. And I guess the first thing is, uh, what did you make of the new Samuel? Were you, were you shocked to see that maybe no. he returned? No, not at all. He He's a Premier League quality manager. He's a Champions League quality manager still. And given what's been going on at Arsenal, what's been going on at Tottenham, he lives in London. There was always a very good chance he was going to end up uh, either of those clubs. And I think he's ended up at the preferred option of those two clubs. Um, what I was told was that he had reservations about Arsenal structure. There was nothing, there was obviously a little bit of heat turned up on Arsenal with the whole director, him dining with director of football story, which was inaccurate. And, and even some, I think the Sunday times had to print uh, a very, very small retraction of meal. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That, that it actually hadn't happened. Um, but he had reservations about the Arsenal structure. With Tottenham, he is he's an admirer of most of the players. He has a good rapport with someone like Eric Dyer, who he made a beeline for uh, literally in the Old Trafford Tunnel um, a few years ago, which didn't go down well with Pochettino. Of course, he tried to sign Dyer, um, tried to take him to United, didn't happen. Like Alderweireld, like Danny Rose, uh, and he's also a big admirer of, of Daniel Levy. I suppose from United's perspective. None of them, none of the people uh, at the club have actually said it, but I, I can imagine their irony ometer would have exploded in the fact that he's gone to a club who do not have a director of football. And Mourinho's preached the importance of having a director of football. But I do actually think he feels as though the structure there with, with Levy as, as the chairman um, is, is suitable for him to, to operate in. He does like to have that autonomy. I know he said... You know, Luis Campos is a great director of football and what have you, who of course is Georges Mendes' client. But Mourinho prefers to have that autonomy. He has clashed with Georges Valdano, Michael Eminalo, all these guys previous, at previous clubs um, who, who were sporting directors. I think Valdano actually left Real Madrid um, in Mourinho's first season. But from from a professional perspective, it's it's fascinating. I think Tottenham, if, if you're covering Tottenham, it's it's never going to be boring. They are they've never been more interesting. Whatever happens to them this season, um, and it'll be fascinating to see what he does, uh, how how Mourinho gets on there. It's it's a manager who wins trophies at a club that do not win trophies, and particularly with this United game coming up in in two weeks' time as well, it just adds spice to it. But as, as far as I'm aware, Tottenham took the decision to sack Pochettino last week, sounded out options. 
um, settled on Mourinho very, very quickly. And I think that was probably in the pipeline um, for the best part of a month before, of course, this morning's uh, decision before 7am. Yeah, it's what, 6 52 or something <laughs> something like that yeah bright and early made sure I was on time for my shift though. I will point that out uh, Dom uh, Samuel said that maybe from a professional point of view it's going to be fascinating for us as well to uh, see how Mourinho comes in every press conference is going to be really interesting to listen to but from a maybe fans point of view as well for United fans it's good to have him back and I guess maybe the argument was that as long as he's not in charge of United then it's an extra bonus for United fans as well yeah I mean the last point is that it's going to be box office and and it's going to be good to watch and and Spurs I, I'm not sure it's the right appointment for Spurs personally because I think um, it's such a change of, of style from Pochettino to, to Mourinho all those players that were were being brought through and I think a lot of them really admired uh, Pochettino I think Harry Kane and Deli Ali tweeted you know that he was like a father figure or a close friend or whatever you want to say so from that perspective then I have reservations but yeah from a general sort of United following Premier League fan perspective it can only be uh, only be good news and just lo- looking forward to the first Mourinho VAR controversy in the press conference that follows it should be interesting it could all come like someone said in two weeks when United do play Tottenham I guess the next question though for both of you really is what, what do you think the appointment actually means for United I mean both of these sides do have a chance of maybe getting top four football a season um, United definitely looked stronger of getting maybe a fourth place finish than Spurs but now that Mourinho's there who knows what's going to happen but how do you think this actually affects United uh, going forward it's 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 difficult to address it in the at the table at the moment United are above Tottenham by three points two points something like that I think but objectively Tottenham have a better manager and they have a better squad they have better players on on their day when they're all performing Uh, but football is so nuanced look what's happened I mean when Mourinho got sacked last season uh, I don't think you could have predicted that United would end up appointing the guy who flunked at Cardiff on a permanent basis and Pochettino is sacked by Tottenham within a year. Uh, so it, it will be interesting what what Mourinho does there. It's, it's things like Tottenham are obviously... I think that Tottenham team under Pochettino probably peaked in 2017 when they finished second to Chelsea and you looked at their 11 you thought there are hardly any weaknesses there. But then the following year... They lost, uh, they lost the FA Cup semi-final and then it started, I think, even the, the loyalists in the media because Tottenham have been for quite a long time media darlings, I think. I think it's kind of down to the fact that they're a London club. It's also the fact that Harry Redknapp was manager for four years and he was very media friendly and that's kind of always been maintained to a certain degree. Do you not feel that that's also down to the fact they play nice, attractive football yeah, youngsters? Ab- but maybe Mourinho coming in now is going to completely changed yeah well I mean one journalist who has a massive massive bee in his bonnet with Mourinho because Mourinho didn't answer his literally because Mourinho didn't answer a question of his at Anfield a couple of years ago said something like oh Tottenham have got to get used to neutrals not admiring them which is absolute poppycock I mean you can play good football or winning football and there's something to admire about it it will be fascinating to see how Mourinho handles a squad that have played really good attacking football, fluid football, and there are a lot of players in that squad that don't fit his prof- the profile of player he's preferred in the past. Um, Ndombele does, Sissoko does, Alderweireld, Vertonghen. The problem with a couple of those players is that they're out of contract at the end of the season. Uh, Harry Kane's a, an old-fashioned number nine that Mourinho you know, seems to prefer still. 
but players like Harry Winks, um, not not Son as such. I think he's just such a good player that anyone would, would want him in their team. But there are players in in that Tottenham side who Aurier, can't quite really nimble. I mean, Aurier's Aurier's just a barn pot who Tottenham should never have signed. But there are players in that team who you wonder how's Mourinho going to react to them and how they're going to react to Mourinho. I mean, I think when the announcement was made, you must have, a lot of people must have thought. Emmanuel Matic to Tottenham in three, two, one, and we'll, I mean, if the, if it did happen, then I think Tottenham fans would have to start worrying. But I don't think it will, um, just because it would be illogical on just about every every level going. But how he handles that transition and what he does with that team and that current those current players there and the players he brings in, it, it's going to be fascinating because he is wedded to a certain approach and he he has been. In recent years, certainly in his last season or his last month, last few months at United, it was too fixed. It wasn't fluid enough. Um, some some of the tactics were outdated and, and antiquated. But this is still a manager in his last year at United. Beat Chelsea, Liverpool, Tottenham, Arsenal, City, and Juventus. You're not a busted flush if you're still doing that in your last job and your last year in that role. I think the elephant in the room, <coughs> sorry, is is the the link um, that was previously drawn between Pochettino and United. Obviously, the, the, there was an expectation from a lot of United fans that one day, whenever it would be, um, Pochettino would get the the United job. Obviously, we're in a different sort of time now, and I think you know we understand that United have brushed off any suggestion that they, they would replace Solskjaer with Pochettino quite rightly too given their sort of long-term project and what Ed Woodward has said in recent investors calls and the way Solskjaer's bringing through youth but there's going to be that's going to sort of maybe hang over United for for a while and if Solskjaer goes through a bad patch then you know the the, the Twitter arty are going to be calling for for Pochettino as soon as they they can I think there's actually like a parallel between Pochettino's position and the one that Mourinho was in at Chelsea when United hired him or after um, he left Chelsea when Mourinho seemed to be on like a down downslope. Pochettino is now seems to be on a bit of a downslope. Obviously, it doesn't make him a bad manager, but it just doesn't fit with United at the moment. And you know, whatever you think about Solskjaer, he's he's sort of got to be given the right to see this project through with how they're approaching it. So that's another interesting element to throw into the mix as well. I guess prior to the international break, United's form has taken a, a dramatic turn. It is a positive feel around the club going into this if United had maybe not won those games and had that resurgent run before the international break do you think there would have been a chance United might have been interested by the developments at Tottenham because there's still probably some United fans out there that, that would still like Pochettino they probably see him as a better long term option at United but he's, he's a better coach than Solskjaer um, do you think there's any way we will see him at United in the future oh yeah yeah uh, he, he wants that job if, if if it goes south with Solskjaer and look let's face it yeah they have been good recently they have picked up form but it's a very isolated period it's about a four week period and within that period they lost at Bournemouth and they were certainly in the second half they were, they were pretty turgid as well so this this spell where you've got a four month run now no internationals uh, it'll be I think how Solskjaer does then is going to be is going to be pretty critical. Pochettino should just not unless there's an immediate offer that comes up among a certain select clubs. He should just take the rest of the season off and then wait and see what happens in the summer. Um, I mean, I, I, 
it was easy to preempt the whole Van Gaal Mourinho parallel of 2015-16. I think I did the did a piece on it about start of October how if Pochettino were to get sacked because it looked like it then I mean I suppose the surprise of Pochettino is that they didn't do it in October because after that after that Brighton game where they got battered 3-0 you just thought there's no way seeing out the season here and they've they've kind of just limped on from there and had some very very underwhelming results but he's not He's not really damaged goods, I don't think, even though they've had a terrible domestic year. Um, he's not damaged goods. The one box he has not ticked in his career is trophies, which is the most important one. But I think he has done so well at Tottenham that United or Real Madrid or Paris Saint-Germain or even Bayern Munich possibly wouldn't hold that against him. Those four clubs could easily be appointing uh, a new manager within the next eight months or so he's got an affinity with PSG where he played he loves Madrid he doesn't like Barcelona because of the Espanol uh, connection there I think he said the Bernabeu is a, like a footballing cathedral and of course he wants the United job last season and that's what compromised him at Tottenham he thought see this through see this out with Tottenham um, leave at the end of the season it didn't go according to plan that that result in January when United won at Wembley, I think that did it for him. The way he started talking in press conferences, the form United embarked on or were, had just started there, uh, that was that was seismic. And I know Tottenham, the, the weird thing is amidst um, this terrible run Tottenham had, they got to a Champions League final and they had an unforgettable night in, in Amsterdam and... Uh, you know, I think those those supporters who were there will be savouring that until their dying day. I suppose if you wanted to look at it quite cynically, they were very very fortunate to get past City, and there was something freakish about uh, the Ajax win and the final was just such a non event. I mean, as soon as I saw Danny Rose clutching a beer bottle on the pitch in Amsterdam, milking it, you know, we've got to a final. I just thought you might as well just give Liverpool the European Cup now. They they. There was no way Tottenham were ever going to win that final. They Especially just didn't have it in handball. Well, do you think that? I guess a different question. Do you think Mourinho can change that mentality at Tottenham? I think he. I think he, I think will, he can make them winners because I think he will win something there. Winning something doesn't make your time at a club a success, obviously. But this is a club that have won two league cups in the last what nearly thirty years now. Um, they they need you know. You know I think their motto is to dare is to do. They play glory, glory, Tottenham Hotspur. They do need to win things. Uh, I think that that had to be held against Pochettino at some stage or another because if you look at the period he was there, Wenger won two FA Cups. He was Obviously, he was derided and rightly so to a certain extent, but he still won a couple of trophies. Van Gaal won a trophy with United. Mourinho won trophies at Chelsea. Moyes won um, the Community United. Shield. <laughs> <laughs> all in fairness, that, that, was, that was pre-Pochettino at Tottenham, in I fairness, think, I suppose. The evidence doesn't suggest to me that Mourinho will succeed at Spurs because he's, he's sort of been on a downward arc ever since leaving Inter, really, and winning the Champions League with Inter. I know he won the league with Chelsea, but that quickly unravelled. His United time was patchy. Obviously, the Europa League win it will stand out because it completed the set for United, but... I don't see Mourinho as, as a manager who's going to take the Premier League by storm anymore. He'll be great watching and, and you, you may well grind out a, a FA Cup or a League Cup win at Spurs, but that doesn't mean that he's the right man to continue sort of Pochettino's legacy, for want of a better word. I, um, Pochettino's legacy, ultimately, as good as they were, 
they won nothing. Best but manager seen, they've had the, for 50 years. Yeah. I've seen the argument online saying that the last four clubs, Mourinho's been at Chelsea, Inter, Real Madrid, United, that every time he's left them, it's taken them years and years to recover from the mess yeah. he's made. And mess he's left. Chelsea won the league the next season. Well, I guess, but this whole dressing room went into disarray. United still haven't recovered. Inter still haven't recovered. Real Madrid haven't been the same. Inter haven't, but Inter made a daft appointment in, in Benitez. And I think you talk to anyone from that team who played under him, I think they all just despise him. Um, Madrid won the European Cup. They, they won... Not won what they won. European Cups in the next five, didn't they? That's what I've seen online. I think with, so, with United Tottenham are going to collapse it's and they're going to give into what Mourinho wants which is short term game and everything they've done under Pochettino is just forgotten Tottenham about. have rolled the dice that, that is, that's that is partly Spurs' problem in that they were dormant in the 2018 summer window and they were they did very little in the last window to the point that Pochettino had the chance to make a real statement signing if he just picked up the phone and, and spoke to this player that was looking for reassurance and he, he couldn't be bothered because I think he just realised what is the point I'm not going to be here that long um, with with Mourinho and United what I'd always say is okay the bar is set pretty low but um, when it comes to post Ferguson he's, he's by, he was by far and away the most successful manager and yet he was the only manager that they didn't back in a summer transfer window. And that falls on the hierarchy. Woodward is the common denominator uh, for you know, six years of mostly of failure during that period. And I don't think you can put pin that on Mourinho. He did a lot wrong last season in the final months. But it all boils down to the fact they just didn't back him in the window when they should have uh, They should have backed him. Dom, we always spoke during Mourinho's time at United about Mourinho's reluctance to use youth players, particularly you think about that last game, the season against Watford, the game where Michael Carrick made his final game for the, uh, the squad and it was no youngsters in the, in the team whatsoever. Uh, I guess from a Tottenham point of view, do you have any warnings of what they can expect from Mourinho and... I think the return of players like Eric Dyer to the first team and prominence for people like Sissoko and Domele, you know, physical, physical, strong players and, a, and the style of football, I guess in a way, Pochettino's style of football is not entirely similar to Mourinho because they both demand sort of high discipline from their teams and, and sort of a real tactical organisation. So there is that, but obviously Mourinho, what I'm looking forward to seeing is Mourinho in the big games because that's where Spurs really still struggled even under Pochettino they, they never really um, they got the occasional result but they never really toppled like Liverpool Anfield or I think that their record against United even wasn't fantastic I think it was only that <clears throat> excuse me that Old Trafford game uh, last year that I mean that was the only win that Old Trafford Pochettino had they hardly ever win at the Emirates in yeah. the league they did in the League Cup last year was that win over Chelsea where they hammered them on New Year's Day 5-3 yes. or something like that that was that was at home but they did win at Stamford Bridge was, I think Conte it must have been Conte's um, Deli last Ali's season a couple of goals. but I know they, they won 3-0 at United last season but United were in the first half they were pretty good it was just their confidence was so low as soon as Kane scored they collapsed and then there was a second there was a third 
Um, I enjoyed Mourinho's use of the word heritage in his uh, comment on his appointment because uh, it seems to be one of his favourite words. Whether he'll hark back to Spurs' history in the recent Champions League. Well, it's, it's an easy one to grasp at. They won nothing this year. They won nothing that year. If he year. did that at United, then what's he going to do at Spurs? But We shall wait and see how the pantomime unfolds. It's going to be great. Just in time for Christmas. Uh, we'll take a short break now and then we'll come back and maybe talk about Man United for a bit. If that makes sense. Uh, join us after this short break. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast. It's been a bit of a Mourinho uh, special so far, but time to talk about United. The international break has been spiced up by that Mourinho news, but uh, for you both, what have you made of the international break so far? Rashford's been fine, goal-scoring form. De Gea's not been playing for Spain. Daniel James has looked bright again for Wales, but with only five senior players away on international duty, it's... Getting Dylan Levitt there, or was he one of the five? Well, he's played six, a minute, but he's he? not made a senior <laughs> appearance in football, so he must he, be lucky. He's getting there. That squad. He's, he's getting, getting there. there. I think. But what what have you made? Yeah, and I was, I was going to say what's what's positive is the the likes of Mason Greenwood scoring for the under twenty ones. Angel Gomez scored. Ethan um, Laird scored, did he? he did. Yeah, yeah, Ethan Laird scored. Angel Gomez got three assists for England under twenties. James Garner scored a couple of absolute crackers for the Your under friend 19s. Dylan Hug. What we call Dylan Hugerworth, yeah, I think is how you pronounce it. I seem to write a story on him scoring a, a, a solo goal every few weeks. So, obviously, good signs for the youngsters. The issue that seems to be bubbling under the surface um, obviously relates to Gomez and Heath Chong, both of whom um, haven't signed contract extensions at United, but seem to be very highly thought of uh, generally. And obviously, I think Solskjaer does does rate especially Gomez. What's, what's interesting is why we're seeing a delay over those two. They need to decide whether they want to continue their development at United or or seek first-team football elsewhere. But in Chong's case, it seems like a really odd one to me because he's never particularly impressed when he's been given a first-team chance at United. And although he's done very well at under-23 level, seems to sort of be in that weird gap between under-23s football and senior football. Um he seems to think that he can force a move and Juventus have been linked and all sorts of odd things so that's been a, an issue almost as if a player or his agent is uh, fabricating <laughs> interests again to get Juventus a, a is so strange and they're thinking Pogba tried this tactic but it actually worked and Juventus did actually want him because he was actually brilliant and United handled his situation uh, horrendously eight years ago eight years ago whenever it was it is I think it was pretty clear they trained in the morning uh, before the Belgrade away game and then they weren't on the plane out there and you thought it's a bit peculiar you'd have thought they'd have at least travelled Ethan Laird travelled and they've just not been in the setup since I know Gomez came off in, in an under 23 game with, with an injury yet just so happens that I know it's a little bit like Gareth Bale and his triple bogey but it just so happens he's conveniently fit to play for the England uh, youth team there have been murmurs there that maybe they're just not being used because they're not signing contracts um, and they're not really helping themselves at the moment in that one if not both of them could do with loans if they commit then I'd imagine Solskjaer would say yeah we, we want to bring an attacker in January if we get that done then you can go out on loan and you can get regular um, first team football but if they're not committing, United United have got to be selfish. They can't allow them to go to a club where they can uh, settle, get embedded and you know, agree a pre-contract agreement just to leave for free in the summer. 
um, given that United spent about 10 million euros on Hannibal Mejbri um, from, from Monaco in, in, in August you know, with Chong and Gomez you've got two pretty valuable assets there worth even now even with their contracts possibly looking towards 30 million combined so it's, it's not been handled particularly well from United's side they probably should have got Chong tied down on a longer deal after pre-season last year Gomez his professional contract was two and a half years I don't know if that there has to be that stipulation that you can only have a three year deal minimum sorry maximum yeah um, but you just still and it doesn't quite work out because you can't have you can't run out of contracts halfway through a season but they probably should have taken measures to get him tied down longer um it's like a sort of um, as well. Schrodinger's cat situation. Like, are they not being used because they're not signing new contracts yeah. or does Solskjaer not believe in them and therefore they're not sure whether they, they should sign a new contract? I mean, in, they're both sort of reaching an age now, 19, uh, turning 20 soon, where they will have to play regular football. It'd be a massive shame, I think, especially... I personally really highly rate Gomez. I think it'd be a massive shame if United let him go. Think about how long ago he made his first team debut now. Is it like team? Two and a half years. I, I think this is the problem for him and Chong. Him and Chong for pretty much since Chong came in. You in, um, in but March, they were the two highest rated youngsters at the club, weren't they? And that, yeah. Yeah. They go back that. I mean, they, they were on the tour last year. Uh, Chong came on, did well. Chong, there's been a lot of hype about since he came from Feyenoord in, in 2016. I think everyone's known of Gomez since he was probably 14. He was he, he was going viral five years ago, whenever it was. But you've got someone like Brandon Williams, who wasn't even... There was a press conference last season where Solskjaer referred to Ethan. We thought, surely not Ethan Hamilton. He's on loan at Rochdale. Who's it? Ethan Galbraith, Ethan Laird. It was Ethan Laird. But he name-checked Laird in a press conference... Brandon Williams didn't go on the pre-season tour. He wasn't in the Europa League squad until 24 hours before the first game against Astana. Yet of all these teenage talents, he's the one who has the best chance of starting at Sheffield United at the weekend. And there's Gomez, who everyone was known about for about five years, who made his debut nearly two and a half years ago, who is, is struggling to, to even get in the squad now. Sometimes the stars line for you, but Williams fully deserves it. I don't think Gomez and, and Chong are really helping themselves, as I said, regarding their contract situations, but it just works out that way sometimes. And you look at Greenwood, he is a more natural attacker. He's he's had four starts this season. He's he scored three goals. He probably should have lined up in the league by now. Um, and, and Garner's being used more, more regularly as well. Um, again, stars aligning given the midfield situation. But I, I certainly would have expected more from Chong but in the I think he's only had two starts this season and unfortunately for him he's looked like a competition winner in both of them I guess I mean I've seen again fans sort of divide on that issue it seems to be maybe more of them in support of Gomez getting a new contract and lots of them just saying if Chong wants to leave let him leave yeah yeah. That's do you feel that United should do I mean obviously United are operating as a business they want to try and get money if possible for these youngsters but in terms of actual ability do you think it would be a loss if Chong left on a free or I think from a football point to of view extent. to an extent yeah I, I, I think from the player's point of view you've got to look at yourself and you've got to see you've got to judge whether you believe Solskjaer's promise to give you more opportunities 
balance that up against with how how much game time you're actually getting. And if they want to go and leave and play football, then you know best of luck to them. It would be a shame from United's point of view to lose out on any any revenue. Um, I, I don't understand why United can't just give them an 18-month contract from now or something like that or any year extension or something like that and just monitor their progress. I'm not sure. they'd have to agree to it. Well, but if you give them a year and say you are going to get some opportunities, Solskjaer has made this massive pledge to to give youth a chance. Depends what they were told in the summer though because they might have been yeah. told exactly that. And a, a, year, a, a one-year deal is something you give to someone in there, you give to Ashley Young. Just, just, I think I think it's, Darmian, it's, it's yeah. weird. It's you know, I think they they'd be affronted by just being offered a one year deal as well. Um, that, that they did Dylan Levitt sign a deal till twenty twenty two. Like three years seems pretty fair if it's not working after a year or eighteen months. And you've got a chance to loan, loan as well, haven't you? Exactly. Full season, yeah, so. exactly. Maybe that's the solution. Maybe they seek loans in January and then it gets assessed at the end of the season. We shall wait and see what happens. You've mentioned uh, James Garner and Brendan Williams already. Both of them could maybe get opportunities this weekend. Sheffield United, Luke Shaw suspended. You expect Brandon Williams will come into the uh, first team and McTominay's injury still may be uh, undiagnosed the full extent of it. So there could be opportunities for United this weekend. Sheffield United away, fifth versus seventh. <laughs> what type of approach do you think United will have this weekend? Do you think it's a game where they'll switch back to a three at the back and have to defend deep? Or do you think it's one where they will maybe indulge in that attacking quality which has seen them blitz Brighton and Norwich they've, they've got to be arrogant um, as they were at Norwich I think going into that game you saw that as a, as, as a tricky game but then you looked at it on the, f- on the face of it where Norwich were how many games Norwich had won you just thought if United just you know take them on um, they, they should be alright and they, they played very well it did help that Norwich played into their hands with how open and expansive they are Sheffield United is is a tougher game just by how well they've they've done this season. They've not lost. I know they're playing at Bramwell Lane, but having not lost away from home up until now is is a hell of a feat for a team that I think most people would have expected to go down. down. And Um, unbeaten the last five as well, two of those wins at home. Most clean sheets or joint most clean sheets conceded the fewest goals, uh, fewest number of goals. I think obviously Henderson can't play this weekend. Uh, which is possibly just as well for United, but it, it should be quite quite interesting to see how United fare. I think I think McTominay, if he if he's not fit for it, and the way he hobbled off and the attention he required against Brighton would probably suggest he, he he's going to struggle to to start. Then they might have a problem because Sheffield United are yeah they're full of endeavour. Um, they're pretty enterprising. They're, I know there aren't any real names in that team at all. Um, I think the McBurney, the biggest sign they made, and he doesn't yeah. doesn't start for them, does he? So they're they're a real they're a real collective team. That the manager's doing a really good job there, um, and they they weren't far off from holding Liverpool as well. It was just that clangor from Henderson. So it'd be interesting to see how United go, but I don't think they should be going for three at the back. I think three at the back clearly given that he used it against Liverpool and Chelsea, is probably a tactic he'll reserve for teams with real attacking potency. So come the derby in well, two weeks' home. time. <laughs> yeah. 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 Knows. I see this game as, as potentially one of the toughest United will face this season because of how 
United have fared against, I'm going to call Sheffield United a lesser lie, they're actually ahead of United in the league, so that's probably a well, bit dis- I disrespectful. Yeah. Well, I guess it's just promoted teams in general. They've had quite a problem with those. Yeah, and the recently. way that those the teams... Games is a different one, but... Brighton away. The yeah. way those teams know that United are going to play, they know that United want space in behind to run, they know that United are all about pace, they know that United will struggle when asked to break down a team and they haven't really got the lock pickers in midfield, especially if Pogba's injured. Um, and McTominay will be a loss as well in that, in that regard because he does tend to drive through the middle of teams um, as we've seen this season. So I think if United can overcome this one and grind out you know, an ugly 1-0 win, which, we, which they've been pretty incapable of doing this season against those sort of teams um, on the road, then it'll be a big boost for Solskjaer. And I think because there are some games around the corner, I'd actually back United um, with more confidence in than this one. Yeah, and of course, the uh, win this weekend, and we, we've all spoken for the season how tight the table is, but it's got to start opening up with this sort of fixtures congestion coming up as well. So it could be a huge confidence boost. But uh, Dom, you spoke there, maybe if McTonney is missing, which midfield... I'm guessing you're from a midfield trio. Who would you pick this weekend? If McTominay's missing. If McTominay's missing, yeah. I think the only option is to play uh, Fred and James Garner as the two city midfielders and then probably Andy Andreas P. Pereira, Andy P, as you like to call him. Uh, in the, <laughs> You've never referred to him as Andreas Pereira. It's always just Andy P. Too long, Andreas yeah. Pereira. I think well, is, this, is this like a, uh, a homage to Andy Peters from your childhood or something like that? Which one was Andy Peters? Was he yeah. Andy Peters? CBBC Legends. Yeah, P, uh, yeah. BBC Kids TV presenter. Yeah, I don't think I ever called anyone. But yeah, maybe it did. Yeah, maybe it is. Maybe it's just nostalgia. I mean, who doesn't <laughs> love nostalgia, the glory days? But yeah, uh, would you agree with that? Do you think James Garner's ready to start a Premier League game? Maybe it sounds weird to him, maybe that magnitude, well, it, but he, it is a tricky test. He, he came through quite commendably in Belgrade, and as we know from being there, that was a hell of an atmosphere. Uh, probably more febrile in the press box with that that heavy um, confronting one of our colleagues than it was in, in the actual stands. But and he was heavy. Christ, yeah, yeah. He, 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 you just didn't want you didn't want to make eye contact, no, did you? He, he did look like he could. Uh, I, I, I suspect he's um, got got his own kill list. Uh, <laughs> but Bramall Lane, I'm I'm quite looking forward to. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, just experiencing the atmosphere there you know, Yorkshire crowd it, it's a proper football ground the away end has its own has its own end it's behind the goal they seem to have generated a, a decent din there this season and sometimes that can have have an effect on opposition players but as I said I think Garner that will have stood him in good stead playing out in Belgrade uh, there's no there's no other alternative even if Matic is, is, is fit you'd You'd still rather have Garner in them. I mean, I was asked to do player ratings of the season so far this season. And spoiler alert. Matic, <laughs> yes, spoiler alert, Matic was, was joint. Um, he was in the relegation zone with a couple of others. It, yeah, I, I, I'd just go with with Garner there. Um, it's it's difficult to really identify anyone else who can go in there as a, as a stopgap even. The, Solskjaer, Phil Jones Solskjaer being Solskjaer with his injury news you never know what he's going to throw up on a Friday press conference so he might say yeah. everyone's fit and available and he, then... he's, he's about as um, he's about as honest with his injury news as Prince Andrew was <laughs> I wonder if he sweats um, <laughs> let's wait and see, see how... well, he, he did didn't he during, when we had the sit down in Perth when there was a bead of sweat yeah yeah. yeah. who knows we'll face with Rich Faye yeah, that's what it. happens though, isn't it? It's the BDI's maybe. Let's say something then I don't but want I to say. I think we better move on swiftly, Rich. Yeah, I think it's always uh, best to put that uh, 
uh, Pizza Express and Woking to go to later, haven't we? But uh, <laughs> Dom, I guess the last one for you, a uh, prediction for Sunday. You said the confidence of the pre-international break could uh, pay the difference for United. Yeah, I did say that, but I don't actually think United will win this game. Um, I'm usually the voice of optimism on the podcast, but I think... You've not this... mentioned Fred yet. Oh, you have mentioned him once, I guess, but... Not I'll, we'll save him for a future episode. I know our producer Ash is keen to, to prod me on Fred once again. Um, no, I think really a really tough test for United. Sheffield United are extremely impressive. United don't fare well in these games, so it could be a loss, but I'm going to be as optimistic as I can and say a one or draw optimistic as that's possible. optimistic uh, yeah. Samuel what's your feeling ahead of the game uh, it's such a tough one to uh, call this yeah it, it is you know, United haven't won successive games in the league since I think February won, I think United won one of the last ten away games kept a clean sheet oh, yeah, one in of the league, league. Yeah. yeah I'd, I'd I hate saying draws but yeah yeah, it's, it's such a it's a hate predictions. It's such a, a hateful prediction to make a draw, but it's it's probably it kind of feels like that. But I wouldn't be surprised if United um, if, if United win, just given the way they've been playing in in recent league games. But that's that's been the issue. There's there's not been any consistency there. They they were brilliant at Norwich next week against Bournemouth. They were terrible in the second half. Then they were really good against Brighton the week after that. So. That, that looks like quite an ominous pattern there, I suppose. But The international break came at a bad time, I think, for United, because I do think they were starting to pick up some yeah. momentum with the way they're attacking players, especially Martial, Rashford, linking up. Obviously, it's, Rashford's done well for England, so... It's, it's, you look at things... I know, yeah. yeah. It's ama- again, it's amazing how a month just changes perceptions, because he was... Uh, you've, I've seen comments, tweets this week, like, oh, Man United fans or punters, you know, criticise Rashford. He really doesn't deserve it, but... In the first two months, he was he was careworn. He he looked shot of confidence, and the uh, the solution to it, would you believe, was taking him out of the team, actually dropping him, which is what Southgate did. And he's come back in, and he's been brilliant for club and country since. But Solskjaer just refused to do that uh, while while Marshall was out injured. We'll see how loyal he is to his star men this weekend. United versus. Sheffield United on Sunday we will be back next week there's the uh, warm trip to Astana waiting for you as well Samuel which oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll do a preview yeah. of before uh, Dom Samuel thank you very much for thank joining you. us thank you and thank you very much at home for listening as well to the Manchester is Red podcast we will be back again next week please do leave a like and subscribe if you enjoy the podcast we'll see you again next time <laughs>